0: Welcome to the voice of wine. This is Vintage with Brian Bushlack, presented by Mass Mutual Financial Group, proud supporter of the wine industry. Now, the voice of wine, Brian Bushlack.
1: And welcome to a special edition of Vintage on the Radio Northwest Network. I'm Brian Bushlack this weekend, anchoring from our Portland studios as Oregon Wine Month is officially underway throughout the month of May all the way through Memorial Day weekend. Of course, that's the biggest weekend of the year in Oregon wine country. We'll talk much more about that coming up in just a little bit and in the weeks to come. This weekend though, we're in Portland to focus on the social and communal nature of wine. It's very significant, especially here in Oregon and who better to join us and talk about this topic. Kate Norris from Southeast Wine Collective in our next half hour and right now two gentlemen joining us, John John House and Jeff Veer, co-owners of La and winemakers at Ovum and Golden Cluster, respectively. Guys, thanks for joining us here this weekend on Vintage on the Radio Northwest Network. And what is it in your mind that makes Oregon so unique when it comes to the social aspect of our wine?
2: Thanks so much for having us, Brian. John House here. Uh, You know, I think Oregon founded... The whole nature of the wine growing business through a communal, community driven atmosphere, just via planting and winemaking. This is in the early days where a lot of folks were sharing information, whereas in California it was a bit more competitive. So I think the communal nature just continued to flow into where and how and who we drank these wines with.
3: Absolutely. And on top of that, John, you know, uh, Brian, what I'd also like to mention is, uh, you know, here at La what we try to do, you know, those guys that came up here in the original days, they were inspired by wines from around the world. They came up here to uh, have their hand at uh, growing their own kind of grapes. We're just an extension
1: of that right now. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I—that's what I thought of when we were researching this. Was the pioneers in Oregon wine who obviously migrated here from outside the state, uh, many of them from California, and a lot of things that you know you said couldn't be done were done by the Ponzi's and others. And I, I really feel the same. Like you—you know, you have something that's special here, and obviously Portland and Oregon has always been unique anyway. And now you add this this wine aspect to it and you guys travel the country, you know how special it is, right, Jeff?
3: That's absolutely true. You know, I think more and more of all the hard work that has been done for the last five decades, you know, people across the country are really starting to have a better understanding and a more dynamic understanding of a, of what Oregon wine really is. You know, we see people from all over the world coming into the Cov to enjoy not only the local wines, but uh, to drink wines that uh, that inspired us to to come here in the first place.
1: And, John, where are they hearing about this? I mean, you talk about people coming in from all around the world obviously tourism is such a huge thing in Oregon but uh, what what is the source of this where where are you seeing or how are people coming to hear about Oregon wine you know I think the
2: marketing aspect of Oregon wines has also connected back to this communal conversation the open door that Oregon winemaking has always been which is to say we've uh, collectively as producers have held multiple events such as Oregon Pinot Camp. Uh, back in the 10 years ago when I came to work for Shalem, we had Oregon Pinot After Hours where 10 or 20 different wineries would go to, you know, Chicago and we pour our wines from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. so Soms who were getting off work could actually enjoy the wines as they were meant to be, which is in a, a convivial familial uh, community, communal
1: atmosphere. That's John House joining us on Vintage this weekend on the Radio Northwest Network. I'm Brian Bushlack in our Portland studio as we kick off Oregon Wine Month throughout May. Jeff Fear, the co-owner, also joining us. And you know, I think it's uh, a key point what you just mentioned, John, about uh, the heavy lifting, if you will, uh, carrying around cases of wine all around the country, like Chicago and Miami and Dallas and all these major markets. Uh, you know what I've always found is really cool, for lack of a better word, is that uh, winemakers who travel the country will always tell you that they feel like they're they're not only representing their label and their wines, but they're representing Oregon, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's exactly what I was speaking of previously. We were trying to spread the gospel of Oregon, and it wasn't just Oregon Pinot Noir either. There was everyone's pouring anything from Chardonnay to Riesling. Um, and now that conversation is expanding into things like Savignon Rose, which Jeff is producing, or discovering 50-year-old wine Simeon. Um, we were built on diversity. And this conversation of coming together to pour our wines together and spread the gospel of the word Oregon rather than just our own brand is really what's built Oregon into what we are today and why people are coming here because they're, they're very interested. It's a different conversation than what they're hearing from Washington and California, which is fine. That's their own world, but we're trying
1: to do this together. The rising tide lifts the boats, right? No doubt. And Jeff, you, uh, as more than anybody I've met in the last 10, 12 years hosting this show, have followed that creed. And, you know, I, I mentioned the Ponzi's earlier and you think about what they did out in Dundee with their winery and their tasting room. And of course, the Dundee Bistro, they didn't open up a Ponzi only tasting room they they welcomed other winemakers to bring their wines into that setting and it became like the chamber of commerce for uh, not only you know Willamette Valley but for all of Oregon didn't it
3: I mean that's such an important point you're making because it really shows the stewardship of a place like Ponzi it uh, really shows the importance of not showing and showcasing your own wines, but showcasing your neighbor's wines and your friend's wines. And that's something that uh, was very, very important to both John and I and Ksenia here when we opened up La Cave. is to really showcase our friend's wines. Showcase wines from uh, smaller producers that may not have a tasting room. Really get out in front of a, a lot of wines and be, be that spokesperson, be that curator of these wines, because that's what people are coming to Oregon to learn about and, and certainly taste.
1: No doubt about that. If you're just joining us on the Radio Northwest Network, this is Vintage. From our Portland studio this weekend, Jeff Veer and John House, co-owners of La Cove, joining us as we kick off Oregon Wine Month. And this weekend, talking about the social and communal nature of wine across Oregon. I want to talk specifically, you touched on this, about the many different varietals. I was in Jacksonville on Tuesday evening for the kickoff celebration of the Oregon Wine Experience coming up uh, in August. It has become the pre- Premier summer event in Oregon wine country showcasing wines from all across the state right there in historic Jacksonville. And I I think of that event as, you know, Southern Oregon and the rest of the state, everything coming together. And I think we've really seen that uh, gel, if you will, in the last few years, haven't we? Absolutely. and I think uh, that's such an
3: interesting area down there, an area that uh, doesn't get as much attention as it should. You know, we've been uh, huge supporters up here and pouring the wines from Cowhorn Winery down there in Jacksonville um, and really kind of uh, pouring stuff that people don't expect. You know, pouring a, a real savory Syrah, pouring a real mineral driven Viognier. You know, these are grapes that even people in Portland um, haven't been exposed to. So that's, uh, you know, it's that's a, that's a real fun way to, to share wine and, and kind of um, expand on the definition of what Oregon wine is.
1: We're going to talk more in our next segment with both of you gentlemen specifically about what you're making now, what you're excited about. So hold on to those thoughts after the break. We'll get back to you on that. But um, it has to be pretty cool to not only see, you know, the flagship of Pinot Noir. If you were a marketing geek, you've got this amazing varietal that has been the flagship for Oregon wine, and now right behind it comes Oregon Chardonnay. What a great pairing, isn't it? I think, you know,
2: that's an interesting conversation piece. Uh, I find a bit, um, it, it has a, it, it has an interesting history in that, you know, when I moved here over 10 years ago, the conversation was Pinot Gris and Pinot Noir, and suddenly Chard- and Chardonnay was being planted, but there were new clones, there's, uh, you know, California clones we brought up, which were the original plantings, and then these Dijon clones came along, and um, I think There's now this massive conversation that is Chardonnay, and it is a great pairing for Pinot Noir, and within that, there is another layer, which is, you know, which clones do we go to to tell the story of Willamette Valley Chardonnay? My, uh, the thing I I think I'm starting to wrap my head around uh, more than anything is that Oregon is, Oregon's the, the France of America there's so much diversity here, and we can grow it uh, in many cases without even having to irrigate, which to me is saying, you know, these vines really belong in the place where they're planted.
1: We're going to talk more with John House and Jeff Veer, the co-owners of Lacav, about the communal nature of Oregon wine as Oregon Wine Month continues across the region and here on the Radio Northwest Network.
0: Covering the vineyards, spirits, and craft beers each week with the Joe six-pack of wine. This is Vintage with Brian Bushlack.
1: And back on a Saturday afternoon across the region on the Radio Northwest Network, this is Vintage. I'm Brian Bushlack from our studio in Portland, and we are joined by two of our favorites, John House and Jeff Veer. They're the co-owners of La Cave as we kick off Oregon Wine Month. And uh, you gentlemen also winemakers as well. And I touched on this in our last segment as we talk about the communal aspects of Oregon wine and, and how close-knit everyone is here. And really you feel that wherever you go when you start talking about Oregon wine. But I want to ask you, what, is, what excites you right now most about Oregon wine?
3: Well, oh, really, just how we're expanding in this conversation. I mean, not, you know, not a day goes by do I, I see a new producer who's got a, a different wine, a different take on Chardonnay or Pinot Noir or Riesling or Viognier, um, Gamay. Gamay. I mean, we're, we're really stretching the bounds and really kind of, uh, you know, jumping off the cliff that was really set up for us. You know, the John's point earlier, you know, we, we really think that Oregon is like France. And so... Having to see and and be able to taste a lot of these um, amazing examples of grapes that maybe not historically have been here uh, in the last uh, four decades, but are really starting to take hold and really coming into their own. It's a real exciting time. You know, this is almost like the second renaissance of Oregon wine right now. Absolutely. How about you, John? What excites you?
2: I I think, you know, this is even a conversation, it's a discussion without uh, considering quality. Which of course we know we have quality, but it's it's really about diversity. We can grow so many different varieties, and they somehow transmit the, our place in their own way while retaining their true character. Whether it's Vermentino uh, from Southern Oregon, or Syrah from the Applegate Valley, or Riesling from the Illinois Valley, which isn't even an AVA yet, but I'm no doubt will be at some point. So we're in this incredible uh, age of discovery, as Jeff is putting, as some sort of second renaissance. Um, so for me, it's it's the conversation of diversity
1: that's most exciting. John House and Jeff Veer, the co-owners of La joining us on Vintage as Oregon Wine Month opens up throughout the month of May, continuing to Memorial Day weekend, the biggest weekend in Oregon wine country. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. OregonWine.org is your resource. Planning those trips out to Oregon wine country There are so many places to see things to do all across the state. Obviously the Willamette Valley right in our backyard in Portland, but we have listeners up and down the Valley in Eugene Medford, Jacksonville, of course, and the Columbia Gorge as well. You talk about, you know, a place that uh, really is starting to get the recognition it deserves. We're seeing a lot of great grapes come out of the gorge, aren't we?
2: Uh, I think that's an understatement. (laughs) I, uh, in fact, I've spent quite some time out there. And uh, my wife, Xenia, who is a 50-50 winemaker and co-owner with me and, at Ovum, we have invested in the Eola Amity Hills and uh, bought quite a bit of acreage out there. And after a lot of thought, we are, we're actually going to redirect that investment into the Columbia Gorge. It has the confluence of alpine and desert Uh, right at Hood River. Uh, It's unlike any wine-growing region in the world, except you could potentially connect it to a place like Rougarra Sacra or places in the Rhone Valley or even the Wachau in Austria. So to me, uh, I think the Columbia Gorge over the next 10 years, we will find is the most exciting place to grow grapes in Oregon.
1: Well, there's no shortage of things to talk about. I mean, that's what uh, this whole show is about this social and communal nature of wine and certainly no disrespect to other wine regions in america absolutely not but you really do have this diversity that is unheard of and I, you know i'm just returning from jacksonville uh and what a great event that was this past week uh you know, you look at that region you you compare and contrast that with the willamette valley obviously you just talk about the gorge and i mean it sparks this conversation and this comparison and yeah, that I think really is what drives it. Would you agree, Jeff?
3: Absolutely. And then you take even a you know a smaller little area just north of Jacksonville, there in Elkton. I mean, what an exciting little microregion that is, and brand new AVA here for Oregon, very close to the uh, ocean, uh, on a east rest, West River Valley. Um, just a real special little microclimate in amongst all these other microclimates. And I think that's the, the great point here. You know, a lot of work has been done in the Lambert Valley in the last 40 years uh, to in, in sizing up these little microclimates. But um, this is a greater story um, that we're involved with now if, of seeing other river valleys in the southern part of our state, in the gorge, and certainly in, in eastern Oregon as well.
1: Kate Norris joining us from Southeast Wine Collective in our next segment about 10 minutes away. Stick around for that as we discuss the social and communal nature of Oregon wine. Right now, two gentlemen joining us, John House and Jeff Veer. They're the co-owners of La And I got to ask you, um, I know that y- you both are living the dream here, right? I mean, you're you're doing what you love. Jeff, I've known you going back 10 years um, to Alou and, and and really, you know, Hit it off, and you you have this passion for education, and you know that shows through in what you do. And I got to ask you, what is it that you enjoy most? Um, you know about about what you do every day and the people you meet.
3: Well, I think Brian, you know, we're we're only about fifty years into this wine experiment here uh, in Oregon, and it's just uh, it, it's just something that um, has just sort of captured uh, captured my my attention, captured my energies, and uh, there's so much rich history here. There's such a bounty here, It's really a spoil of riches, uh, whether it's just talking about wine or food or beer culture, um, just a quality of life here that uh, is worth preserving, is worth talking about, and is worth better understanding. So I think that's where this energy comes from. And meeting people from around the world, from different wine regions that, that share in the same kind of philosophy and love of, of place and love of a wine lifestyle. Um, you know, I've got uh, lots of friends around the world because of it, and uh, uh, my, my life's been enriched because of it
1: it feels like and uh, you know again as a native oregonian and a portlander for 20 plus years i can say you know there was a time when portland it was kind of sleepy and if somebody wandered in from a distant shore it was a big deal and now it feels like it just feels like this magnet doesn't it it really does i mean we're seeing people here literally
3: from around the world and they're coming here to to taste and to drink a slice of uh, what has been able to be created here over the, uh, over the last 40 or 50 years. So it's an exciting time to be here, um, exciting time to, to get this attention, um, and it's an important time in, in Oregon.
1: Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you both for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on short notice here to talk about the social and communal nature of wine as Oregon Wine Month opens up and runs throughout the month of May leading up to Memorial Day weekend. John House and Jeff Veer, co-owners of Lacave, and want to give them a, a real plug for their winemaking skills as well. John at Ovum and Jeff at Golden Cluster. Thanks to both of you for joining us, and thanks to our audience across the region as well. Stay with us. Up next, we'll head over to Southeast Portland and talk to Kate Norris at Southeast Wine Collective.
0: From Woodinville to Walla Walla, welcome back to Vintage with Brian Bushlack, presented by Mass Mutual Financial Group.
1: And crossing the bottom of the hour, welcome back to a special edition of Vintage on the Radio Northwest Network. I'm Brian Bushlack this weekend in our Portland studio as we continue the celebration month long of Oregon Wine Month of course leading up to Memorial Day weekend we'll tell you much more about everything that's happening on the big Memorial Day weekend in the next couple weeks. First though, we want to welcome Kate Norris from Southeast Wine Collective as we continue our conversation on the social and the communal nature of wine particularly in Oregon and Uh, Kate, I can't think of anybody better in Portland to talk about this than you at Southeast Wine Collective. This is what your uh, whole story is all about, right?
3: It is.
4: It is. Thank you for having me, Brian. It's such a pleasure to be here and to chat about what we do and about what a great community of wine we have in Oregon and particularly in Portland, too. All
1: right. Let's tell us the story. First of all, I know we first met back, I think, uh, maybe six, seven years ago when you were first starting up. How would you get the idea for Southeast Wine Collective?
4: No, definitely. Well, it started off actually down in um, the Willamette Valley. The, um, the uh, facility that Tom and I re- were working at when we first started making our wines in Oregon uh, was a custom crush facility. And there were always winemakers around, multiple people producing multiple varieties. Um, and we decided that we love that feeling, but we also really loved being in Portland, too. I live two blocks away from the winery. I walk here with my dog every single day. Um, so we found this awesome space right off of Division Street. Uh, if you're familiar with Portland, you know that Division, Southeast Division, is a really bustling metropolis part of Portland for restaurants uh, and for bo- little boutique stores. Um, and it's definitely become sort of a, the heartbeat of what goes on. Um, in the food scene, but also why not in the beverage scene? So we started a winery, it's 5,000 square feet, um, and uh, it was a space that we thought would be great to have other winemakers be a part of too. So our first vintage, which is 2012, here we had four winemakers uh, with a fifth one that was starting production. Um, With wine is, in essence, a social thing. Um, And so the drinking of wine and the enjoyment is something you love to share. Um, and we really love it when there's other people that are um, in the winery, sort of sharing ideas as winemakers, um, and that it's community-based, too. So why not have the, the winemaking part also be community-based?
1: Now, you did this, and I know it was a little bit of an experiment, right? I mean, you found this location, you have this great idea, but honestly, you really don't know if it'll be a success until you do it, Right.
4: Yeah, no, of course, you know, without great risk doesn't come uh, any reward of any kind. Um, But at the same time, we knew that there were some up-and-coming winemakers and some people that had established themselves that were looking to join forces in terms of sharing the facility, sharing um, the equipment. And we also have an amazing retail outlet for them. Within the winery itself is a space called We Wine Bar and Restaurant, it's also a tasting room, wine bar, full restaurant where these uh, smaller producers are able to share what they do with people that are wine interested and wine curious from the novice right through the expert. So um, it was a platform for all of us to present ourselves to the world. And you know what? That's just a great thing for us um, and for everybody, I think.
1: I couldn't agree more. Kate Norris from Southeast Wine Collective joining us on Vintage. I'm Brian Bushlack in our Portland studio and uh, you know I I love what you did because it it in a I guess similar way to how we approach the show. It's approachable. You know, you want to be in the community. You want to open your doors. You want to share that with an audience that may not be uh, a wine audience, right? I mean, how many people have been turned on to Oregon wine over the last five, six years since you opened your doors, simply because uh, you rolled out the welcome mat, right?
4: <laughs> I really hope so. Um, you know, wine is really special to Tom and I, um, and something that we realized very early on is that sharing it is the easiest way for people to fall in love with it, and the easier you can make that for, uh, for them, then the more uh, that they want to do it, basically. Uh, going on a wine trip, whether it be globally or even down to the Willamette Valley, can be a special occasion for a lot of people. You know, it takes some planning, and it's something I really want everybody to do in their lifetime, but you've got to sort of have baby steps. You've got to have a gateway, and having a winery and a tasting room and a wine bar and a restaurant really focused on local wines um, and also on the wines that reflect it from around the world is a starting point for people to be able to start their adventure, to fall in love and have wine become more of a part of their lives.
1: Boy, I couldn't have said it any better. Now, you talk about uh, Mr. Thomas Monroe, uh, who's your cohort in this. Tell us about him and and how the two of you uh, got together in the first place and came up with this crazy idea.
4: Yeah, no, it's it's a fun, crazy story. You know, Tom and I were married once upon a time, and we're not. But something that we discovered along the way is that we're really great at uh, putting together wines um, and putting together a space for other people to enjoy what it is that we love and what we, um, we, we, we love to do. Um, and so Tom is from St. Louis. He's from the Midwest. Um, and He and I met in California. We met in San Francisco, and we actually met over wine. Um, and that has really become the thread that has kept us together in our business life over the past 15 years. Um, and so we actually moved to France to learn how to make wine. My, my family is from France. Half of it is from there. Um, so we made wine in various regions of France and then decided to move back to the United States and specifically to Oregon to make wine. Not only because we think the climate here in terms of the weather is great for the cool climate varieties we like to work with, higher acids, lower alcohols, beautiful soils but also the climate of Oregon in general. So as people, as a community, the winemakers and the wine community is really welcoming. And also people are really wine curious. And this is something that they very, very much enjoy. Quality of life is really important. Finding out who your maker is and having access to them. And that's something I think Oregon does beautifully.
1: If you're just joining us on a Saturday afternoon across the Pacific Northwest, this is Vintage on the Radio Northwest Network, heard up and down I-5 across the state of Oregon as we celebrate Oregon Wine Month, traveling the wine trails of Oregon this weekend. We kick things off in the heart of southeast Portland at Southeast Wine Collective with Kate Norris. And i, I got to ask you, Kate, uh, you know, talking about uh, doing what you've done and being successful at it, uh, really, I mean, when you, you launch this, you talk about some challenges and, you know, so many Oregon wineries. The Oregon model is to have that winery out in wine country. What challenges did you have to overcome, uh, you know, I guess logistically to get that fruit into Portland? And, you know, the timing of that is always so critical, isn't it?
4: it? It is. But you know what? There's some challenges and there's some things that are really familiar to us, too. When we made wine in France, we made wine in the villages with the grapes coming from outside of those villages. So if you imagine, Portland is just that on a larger scale. So we decided we just had to open our, mind, our minds and find a way to make that work. Um, certainly, um, there are some distances that the grapes need to travel. Uh, it might be a little bit further than some other grapes need to travel to some other winemakers and wineries that are located right on their estates. But a lot of people do bring in grapes from across the Pacific Northwest to their locations, So it's not impossible. You know, working in town is difficult though. Um, it uh, It has its challenges. We're right in the heart of a residential neighborhood. We have neighbors with their children that are being raised across the street. And so we have to be really respectful of the space we have to make sure that we're good community members and that we're really communicative about what it is that we're doing every single day during harvest and throughout the year for bottling. Uh, we have to make sure that we have all of our licensing in place with the city. Um, but at the same time, um, it's something exciting and it's something that for the most part our neighbors have been really, really happy to see. Um, it is part of what makes the Portland community so strong is that they love entrepreneurship. They love authenticity and they really love to see people living their dream and so we're really lucky to be able to do this here in Portland.
1: I gotta tell you, Kate, if somebody said they were gonna put a winery in across the street from my house, I'd be thrilled.
4: <laughs> yes, most people have been really thrilled. And I'm thrilled it's pretty much across the street from my house too. So <laughs>
1: Hey, describe the vibe there. I know, you know, I've been there. Uh, so many of our listeners have, but what's a what's a typical day look like at Southeast Wine Collective?
4: So every day, single day is different. And that's why I love my job so much. Um, you know, we don't have just one facet of our, our business. We have multiple facets. So whether we are racking, whether we are bottling, whether it's harvest, um, every day, uh, in the cellar is different. And then when we're not doing that, we're hosting classes, we're hosting private events, we're hosting public events, really bringing people into the space to connect with the wine. What's also awesome is that the wine bar and restaurant space has a full wall of glass. So anyone that's enjoying the wine and the food that's served here can watch us at work too and really feel that they know where their wine is coming from.
1: And when we come back, we'll continue at Southeast Wine Collective as Oregon Wine Month continues on the Radio Northwest Network.
0: Get discounts on your favorite wines each week. Just follow Vintage Wine Show on Twitter and Instagram. Now, back to Vintage with the voice of wine, Brian Bushlack.
1: And approaching the top of the hour now on the Radio Northwest Network, this is Vintage. I'm Brian Bushlack in our Portland studio this weekend. Glad you could join us wherever you may be across the region as we celebrate Oregon Wine Month. And this weekend, we kick things off in Portland talking about the communal aspects, particularly of Oregon wine and why it's become so popular and who better to do that with us than Kate Norris at Southeast Wine Collective. And uh, Kate, we talked a lot about that in the past segment, I want to kind of shift the focus in this segment to the varietals and the vibe inside Southeast Wine Collective, because you've got a lot going on in there. I mean, it's it's not a huge space, and you've got a lot of stuff going on, don't you?
4: <laughs> we do. We really celebrate the Pacific Northwest. There's, of course, a focus towards Oregon, but what I really love is the history of Oregon over the past 50 years, with Pinot Noir really being our cornerstone for the quality that has made us well-known across the nation and across the world. And also that's allowing us here at The Collective the opportunity to work with other varieties. So there's 24 different varieties of grapes that are being made into wine here. Um, and also different fermentation styles ranging from carbonic to traditional, whole cluster to some skin contacts. A little bit of everything in terms of experimentation is going on here. And we're able to show that to people that are curious about it uh, and that there's something for everybody. Um, You know, if you come in and you want to try a lot of wines, we have over 80 wines that you're able to try on our list. Um, And there's a number of flights. Um, For Oregon Wine Month, for instance, we are celebrating the regions that have inspired Oregon in general. So we have a different flight each month that is focusing on different regions. The first week is going to be Alsace. So we have some Gewurztraminer, some Pinot Gris, and some Riesling that we are putting in a fight. And those are wines that are all made right here by our resident winemakers. Um, the second week is going to be Burgundy. The third week is going to be uh, the influence of the Beaujolais. And then we're going to see the influence of the Loire also. So it really is celebrating uh, the past and the future of Oregon wine.
1: And you, get, I mean, you just clicked off so many things going on. That's what's great if... Uh, you're in the Portland area or outside Portland. You want to come into the city and get that urban winery experience. you got so much going on. I, I noticed uh, Vinlandia 2018, too, coming up, right?
4: Yeah, no. So we cap off our Oregon Wine Month with our annual spring open house. You get to meet the winemaker. You get to try a few wines from each winemaker, so up to 20 wines. Um, and uh, you just get to enjoy what it is that we're excited about right now. We do Vinlandia, so it's the Saturday before Memorial Day, so it's the 26th of May. We also do an open house in the in the fall for uh, Thanksgiving because classically those are the great wine weekends of Oregon, um, and so we really like celebrating them here.
1: Well, that's awesome. I mean, what a great event there and and so many other events happening. And tell us about, you know, Custom Crush and the other winemakers that you collaborate with there, because I know that's uh, I mean, that's a lot of fun all by itself, isn't it?
4: It is. We really have a group of winemakers that play so well in the sandbox, as we like to say. Everybody brings such a great outlook and a different outlook to winemaking and a different energy. Um, What's nice also with so many different varieties being uh, produced or being being processed and produced is that our harvest is relatively long. And so we get to see a little bit of everything from early sparkling uh, wines being made at the end of August in the last few years to some uh, later harvest fruit being brought in at the end of October. Um, and everyone is able to contribute
1: and to taste and
4: to talk. Um, I love it. It's, uh, it's my family, um, and it's really important to Tom and I.
1: Approaching the top of the hour as we wrap up this edition of Vintage on the Radio Northwest Network with Kate Norris at Southeast Wine Collective. And while I have you, I want to ask you about the fruit and the sourcing thereof. I mean, it must be nice in your situation to uh, be able to go out and source fruit from all over the state, right?
4: It really is wonderful. Uh, for Oregon, Tom and I have some great vineyards that we work with down in the Applegate. We have a couple of vineyards in the Umpqua, a few vineyards, well, more than a few, of course, in the Willamette Valley. Um, and our approach, you know, when we were younger and starting off this business was that we put all of our physical and our monetary investment into building this space. Our dream, of course, is to own a vineyard one day, but we have so many great farmers out there in Oregon that are really excited about Oregon grapes and Oregon wine that make awesome partners for us.
1: Boy, that's a great way to finish this show. Kate, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on the success of Southeast Wine Collective. And hey, it's real easy to find this on the web it's sewinecollective.com plenty of events there and what i love about what they do is tons of stuff to stop in and check out all in one place right in the heart of southeast portland well that's all the time we have on this weekend's edition of vintage join us again next week as we journey the wine trails of oregon and celebrate oregon wine month Throughout Memorial Day weekend, we'll talk to you again next weekend right here on the Radio Northwest Network.